Happy Thursday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rocketeer Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made, the 1991 Joe Johnston-directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And Jim, as we're recording this, I am... uh, we're uh, we're a little bit uh, a little bit out of sync here, but I'm just now sort of starting to recover from uh, from our big uh, big fly-in and convention, and what a what a crazy week that was. Yeah, that, and it, it was. I mean, just following you on Facebook was astonishing. The, the, the <laughs> things that were going on around you, it was, it was wow. It was its own little movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, but a great week, and was uh, thrilled to catch up with uh, with a few listeners uh, of ours out there. What a what a great joy that was. So good good it, stuff. We did have a hug hug Hal day out there. For, uh, we for, did, for and it minute. was it was so popular it uh, it lasted through at least Monday. So <laughs> and it's still on. If you bump into Hal anywhere and you just recognize him, if you know, sure. don't, don't point him out if he's got the helmet on. But yeah, uh, right. you know, if, if he doesn't have the helmet, yeah. just go up, give him a big hug, and he'll know yeah. that you're a fan. Give me a hug. Take uh, you know, help yourself to my wallet. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you like. He's easygoing guy, but don't yes. worry. So uh, we we are finally up to minute seventy four here, uh, deep in the Rocketeer, and this uh, this particular minute has an interesting uh, uniqueness in that there is absolutely no dialogue for the entire minute. Hard hard to believe, but it it, it is amazing when you realize how how much the the dialogue is important to the rest of the story. And as and Jim, as you're the one who types up the summaries, you know better than just about anybody. As you slice this minute by minute, this is uh, this is the only one you've encountered so far, right? Yeah, this is the only one as, as far as I've seen in the entire movie that there so, is no. Well, I mean, until we get to the end credits, sure. But uh, even that has captioning. So right. uh, yeah, I mean, it it does forward the story. We just see uh, Jenny who had. You know, woken up from her uh, her chloroform dream, right? Which uh, which we know a little bit more about now. Yeah, yeah. Thank thank you, Doctor Delemba. That was yes. a, <laughs> nice, a nice discussion yesterday. It uh, was indeed. We do uh, we do get to watch her wandering, and she seems to have shaken it off quite well. She stands up, good posture. My grandmother would be proud. She always told all of uh, all of my cousins stand up straight, and she does a great job. Shoulders back and chin up. We watch Jenny get up out of that beautiful king size bed. You know, I, I was as I was watching this minute, the thing that crossed my mind was mattresses. I, <laughs> all things I was I was wondering, it's like how long have people been sleeping on mattresses? And and of course, there's there's always a big story involved. So I I, I went out and looked it up and went went far beyond uh, Wikipedia. Although Wikipedia did have some pretty good uh, entries for it the mattress as we know it as you know as a place where people would sleep at night came back to um, the western world after the crusades this was a popular thing in the middle east putting down cushions has always been something like the bedouins did and stuff and uh, after after the crusades all those uh, knights came back uh, dragging their mattresses behind them and and introduced them to uh, to to the world of the west where previously people had done things like just sleep on the floor or sleep on a shelf that was like the common thing to do. They, the idea of sleeping on something soft was uh, unusual. We've had them in the Western world since about the 1400s. They've grown up more with upholstery and things like that and ways of supporting. And now you have sleep numbers and posturepedics and all that <laughs> other jazz. But uh, generally, the modern bed as we know it has been around since, uh, you know, the typical inner spring bed has been around since about the 1880s. It makes me wonder, did people, you know, prior to that point, did on average, did people have better backs or... Uh... You know, was uh, was back pain as much of a thing? It certainly, I mean, I can't imagine just going to bed tonight and just laying down on the floor. That just sounds dreadful. But depending on what you're used to, yeah, and, I what's, mean if, and what's normal, if that's if that's how you go, I mean, we've 
I'm sure you, as in your law enforcement days, I, I know I have worked third shift. And if, after you work a couple of third shifts, you find <laughs> yes. you can sleep anywhere in any position. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. I, a, right. I'm thinking of a couple of places I fell asleep. And yeah, I don't we don't need to go that route, that route, but. Uh, but you know, thank thank goodness we live in the modern age where you can have everything such as uh, the, what's the most common one is known as the Bunnell coil. That's the kind that are uh, they, they originally came out of uh, buggy seats in in, co- in coaches and you know stage coaches just to take the the shock out of it. The idea of interesting putting these coils into a into a box, which is now we you know we use a there's two levels. We have a, the box spring, which is mostly to absorb the general shaking and then the mattress coil, which is uh, an upholstered spring. So ba- basically the the mattress cover is just enough to keep you from feeling the springs underneath, which deaden the uh, motion of, of bodies on top of the, on top of the bed and uh, distributes the weight easier. And there, I, there's all kinds of science to it. I, I, I sometimes wonder when you're watching all these commercials or going to mattress stores and things like how much is the science and how much is, Oh, that sounds cute. Maybe they'll believe this. Right. Yes, the juxtaposition of science and marketing. Yeah. And, and, and an unholy alliance. The other thing that I found out is that a lot of, you know, you have all these different names for different companies of, um, like, you know, Sealy, the, there's Sealy Posturepedics, there's Tempurpedic. Well, Sealy Posturepedic was bought by Tempurpedic about 20 years ago. No, so, really? Yeah. So they're, they're, you know, it's the same company. Uh, spring Air went out of business and sold their name, and now a bunch of different companies make the same Spring Air. Uh, package most of the time if you're there is apparently some kind of a cartel of mattress companies that uh, there's only like two or three mattress company makers in the world and they just put a bunch of different labels of companies that went bankrupt that they bought up their names so you're probably all you're, we're probably all sleeping on the same mattress with just some you know either you get a sponge or you get a coil that's about that's so about only it. here on the rocketeer minute do we expose the ugly truth behind big mattress big mattress yeah big bed big bed, big bed. Ooh, even better <laughs> Edit that so it sounds like I said yeah. that first, would you, Jim? I'll, I'll, I'll put that in. I'll, I'll, yeah. ex, extra reverb. Say, say, yes, say big exactly. bed one more time. Big bed. Okay, we'll, we'll get some reverb. It'll sound great. <laughs> uh, so, and that's only in the first two seconds of this <laughs> this particular episode. And so, here we thought that this there wasn't much going on in this minute, Jim. No, no, she's uh, you know beautiful. Jenny's walking around that. Uh, it's amazing that, that that was a really great wrinkle-free gown that she had on. I mean, it was. Gosh, it, it was like she ironed it every every other step. Just That's exactly right. Gorgeous bit of stat, satin wandering around. Every time I watch this movie, I still can't figure out what the upstairs of the uh, Sinclair household looks like because there's all different nooks and crannies. Maybe it's just because of the what, what's that type of particular block that's on the walls is masonry block or so it's what's well, concrete blocks and uh so the ennis house was one of uh four of uh, frank lloyd wright's houses that he called the textile block and uh and they were named because of this so the texture of the concrete block walls it reminded people of brocade here in the ennis house that design is, is uh, sort of a take on the old greek key but i think it's much more ornate and there's much more uh, there's many more levels to it what strikes me as, as interesting is that this was uh this style this is was him experimenting with modular housing and this was him trying to sort of so number one work with the as, as he called it the cheapest and ugliest thing in the building world which is plain concrete and then number two build something that was affordable sort of democratize uh custom uh, custom built houses and of course now 
stuff like the Ennis House, uh, the Millard House was another one. I'd have to look up the other two. I will in a moment here. You know, these are these are not you know middle class. Anybody could walk up and just write a check and afford one of these masterpieces. Yeah, but the the elements of what would later be what he called his Usonian U.S. for United States. Oh, the, sure. The Usonian style home where you have a central hearth. And then you have this idea of a multi-level, if you were going to use a multi-level home, he tended to, in his later years, try to uh, stay with ranch houses. But when he was going with a multi-story house, he tried to have a thing called a loggia, which is uh, kind of a balcony, so that it would add some drama to things. You'd come out of your bedrooms, there'd be a large loggia, like a a balcony over your living room and dining room. And we'll we'll see that in later minutes here as, uh, as Jenny explores the home, that it gives you a more dramatic theatrical look that you can... You have depth to your home. You come out in the morning and you look down and you have this gigantic, you know, vaulted ceiling. And uh, there's there's a lot of, you know, it, there's a lot of dynamism going on just from walking out of your bedroom into the into the hallway, into the, the loggia of the hallway. It's, it's stunning that, I mean, the, the different works, the, the stained glass, all that lead. It's just... Yeah, those stained glass panels, of course, are just, you know, classic uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. We've, we've read, uh, I think, since the very first time we've talked about the Ennis House, and we've come back to it a couple of times, but we've read since then that the most, if not maybe all of these interiors were done on a set that was recreating the look inside. So that recurring theme of those uh, those textile blocks is intriguing, and there's places online where you can uh, you can buy reproductions of those panels that that particular design is sort of considered significant enough that you can go and buy it it's not as a obviously not as a rocketeer uh, prop replica but it's just a, an homage to the ennis house yeah i've never seen that on like flip or flop that they did you know, what we really need is some frank lloyd wright uh, concrete blocks exactly yes i don't think any frank lloyd wright house that i've ever seen has a uh, uh, bookshelves with secret panels and books as latches so let me ask you this have you tried every book um, have you walked up mm, to his bookshelves i i and, sense i sense a new sense of purpose now in visiting yes, frank lloyd wright house. we're going to start traveling there is uh i've mentioned this before there is a frank lloyd wright house uh, about a mile from me right now a very modest little ranch but every time i walk by i just peer and stare and 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 feel bad but you just want to run up and ring the bell and just say excuse me you know can well, I see, see inside real quick, but one state over from you in Minnesota, there is a new or not new. It's a it, it's a 1958 Frank Lloyd Wright house that has had one owner and the owners have decided to sell. Oh, and uh, that's on that's on for uh, what is to me sounds like a piddling uh, one point three million. Really? Yeah. And uh, it's available somewhere in Minnesota. Of course, by the time people are hearing this, it's probably been snapped up. Sure. But then again, uh Jim, that's about what uh, we each pull down per episode of the Rock. Yeah, minute, easily. You know, yeah. round numbers. All, all, yeah, all that, all that Amazon uh, cash. Uh, yes, exactly. Podcasting is, uh, <laughs> podcasting is nothing if not big bucks. Yeah, ask, so, ask Joe Johnson about that. He'll, yes, exactly. <laughs> we love yeah, you, Joe. We do. We do love you, Joe. Hello, Anytime Lisa. you want to come on, you, we'll cut you in for half of everything we get out of Amazon. Don't worry. I'll get, actually, 60%. As soon as they right. get enough money together for the stamp, they'll send that check. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's interesting. We're talking about the uh, you're talking about the bookshelves. When we go to second, no, second twenty three. Jenny's peering through the stained glass, and number one, it's it's really giving the uh, it's giving a nice suggestion that uh, that she's sort of imprisoned here. You know, it's this beautiful house, but these stark sort of gray walls that you know high contrast noirish lighting is good. And now we're we're seeing her through this this beautiful stained glass window, but it's got the suggestion of bars to it. And you know, she definitely has a look the look of a captive. 
And you see Neville Sinclair is back there very, very carefully replacing the book. And I'm, and like you, I'm trying to figure out the layout here. He's uh, well, Has he gone into his radio room at this point and he's yeah, just he's I, closing I, it and re- reseating the... That, the that's, uh, that's how I think it is. I think what we're looking on is that loggia I was talking about, the, the okay. long hallway. I think there's glass walls that you can't get through. <laughs> seems like another Frank Lloyd Wright thing. It's like, oh, you can't use that, but it's, it looks right. nice. But yeah, I think what he had was he had the bookcase opened. He was inside of his little radio room because in a later minute we'll notice what what thing he's carried into that radio room. And so I think what he's doing, as you said, he's he's rearming the mechanism that makes the makes the door open up when you pull on a certain book. And it's just it's an interesting peek at him. He, he doesn't know anybody's watching. Where it's very sort of voyeuristic as we're as we're sort of looking from Jenny's point of view. He's extremely fastidious about getting the book repositioned just so. Yeah. And that, that sort of shows. Although, I don't know who... How many people are in his house that he has to worry about making it secret? That's a good question. You get the sense that he... Well, he lives alone, but you know yeah. there's uh, there's sort of a steady stream of uh, of female company. That That's, as we will see, uh, unless he has very interesting hobbies, uh, he does seem to have a, a large variety of left-behind items. And I would, yes, I would also true. assume that he has, like, the gardener, the pool boy, the... The housemaids and whoever is dumping in thousands of daylilies every single day in all those rooms. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah it's the daylilies. He's, yeah. he's got, uh, there's some florist in, in Southern California who's counting their blessings every day. Yeah. But another little bit of uh, a bit of decor that we see, I don't know if this minute we, we get the glimp, best glimpse of it or not, and uh, it's not something that I particularly focus on going frame by frame, but I know throughout his house there's there's at least one we see in this minute, and I think there's even another one. Uh, there's actually sort of oversized uh, nudes on the wall. There's a yeah, they're kind of um, not quite abstract, not quite Picasso, but kind of rather uh, Rubenesque. They seem to be. Well, yeah, although you know, in this scene, I, I go back and forth, and again, I'm you know, I'm trying to not be a twelve year old boy and sit here and really, really stare at this. But it's for science, it's, don't worry. Yes, it's, it's it's for science. It's uh, it's second thirty eight. It really looks to me like it could just be a, a a black and white photo, which would surprise me a lot, given that it's Disney. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see. I, I mean, I'm looking at. Let's see, second forty-four. It looks rather almost Dolly-esque in the color scheme. It has very. There's blues. There's peaches. That's interesting. And maybe maybe I'm just seeing it a little bit more desaturated because I would have, I would have gone to bat from you know second thirty-seven scrubbing ahead to thirty-nine when she hits the the mattress that I was really thinking just an oversized black and white photo. Yeah, but, if, uh, look, if you look at second sec- forty-five, you should be able to see like the pink salmons and the. Blues. Oh yeah, we do get hints of that there, don't we? Yeah, Very I'm just I, I'm amazed that I never noticed the gigantic mirror that is behind. I mean, it is unless this is. Uh, the other thing is, it could be a picture window, and it's a large reflection. But that reflection is so crisp and clear, though. And the colors are so vivid. I I think that is a mirror we're seeing there. Okay, yeah, because it just that would be a rather awkward place to have a wide open picture window. It just depends. I guess right. it depends on what's backing up to it. If it's the side of the Hollywood Hills, sure. If it's a yeah, if it's a big view. Otherwise, no uh, no visible windows in this room other than the stained glass that's sort of looking on you know out to uh, interior spaces. Other thing I was considering is is that Jenny must be wearing some pretty tight shoes. If she was knocked out. Right, you know, dragged across the, the burning South Seas, and uh, thrown into a car. I would assume she still manages to keep her high heels on. Um, just uh, very, <laughs> she, she's she, she's not a she doesn't like the relaxed fit. I'll tell you that she's not ready to let her guard down, even unconscious. 
Yeah, and there are three. Is, is that right that there are three layers of pillows? There's. It, it looks like there's a back pillow, then there's there's two large display pillows. Then she's parked herself as she's laying back on a smaller, like a throw pillow. That's what it looks like to so me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven pillows on that bed. My my wife has gotten into buying large uh, these these collection things that where you have several pillows together and i'm i'm more of a two pillows on the bed kind of guy yeah and i just i don't know i'm (laughs) more of a start with two pillows then when i'm done reading lose one and you know do my best from there yeah it's i just feel like i'm I'm, you know you make the bed in the morning and it's like i feel like i'm working in the pillow department at pennies (laughs) a lot of of stacking not not too dissimilar from this not satin but just of course she did put up with i had a uh I had a Star Wars, uh, a queen size Star Wars uh, bedspread that that she put up with for over a year and a half. So I oh, have to, that's have fantastic! To equal time. I of course had uh, Star Wars sheets as a kid, and now I, I still have those originals from my childhood. And then, uh, ah. um, and then uh, I the the woman I think of is my alternate mother, uh, matriarch of a of a dear family. Uh, well, Eric Flint, the uh, historian oh, sure. who joined us, his mother made me a lovely fleece uh, Star Wars. Mm. Um, I think of it as a blankie. Uh, yes. <laughs> because it makes me feel like I'm nine and I'm very pleased with that. Uh, so, well, listeners, uh, again, how do you sleep? How yeah, many pillows do you there's, use? There's something to start the social media get, yes, going. Yes, exactly. I, uh, set the world uh, afire. My wife did actually let me have for six months. Well, at least they're still in the they're still in the cycle. We just haven't gotten back to them yet. Is I do have a queen size Venture Brothers pillows, or Venture oh. Brothers sheets, and she would always get upset because the on her side of the bed there's a large uh, a drawing of Brock fighting a, a six foot tall cockroach, and she just does not like that at all. But it's you know, it's the Venture Brothers, honey. Yeah, how, I don't know how you uh, I don't know how you get away with that. This is yeah, this is what my. My my wife, a grandmother, has to deal with something. Yes, exactly. Uh, one of my uh, uh, one of my favorite throw pillows here on the throw pillow minute um, <laughs> is a uh, one I got from uh, Disney not too long ago, uh, and it's uh, it's got this great and I'm I'm drawing a blank on the name of the artist and I'll remember it as soon as we go off the air. But uh, wonderful, uh, very very vintage and retro looking. So Tomorrowland poster and scene on, on one side with the TWA rocket and all that. Ah. And then the other side just has those, it's just nothing but those great sort of googie starbursts. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, it's uh, Oh, it's the coolest thing. Was it Mary Blair? I, I remember it being a male name. Okay. So um, I just, I, when I picture Disneyland artists, I think of Mary Blair. She did the uh, the beautiful tile work. If you go into the uh, Contemporary Hotel, and ah, she did okay. all the, she did all the artwork pretty much for It's a Small World, the, the general art design there. That's when Oh, excellent. She's my go-to one when somebody says Disney artist, you know, striking. That would be the one. Wow. Well, yeah, this would be interesting. I would, I would be interested in seeing in uh, on our social media what people sleep on and what I'm. I'm still trying to find my. Not? Yeah, I, I'm still trying to find my queen size Rick and Morty, but I, I have to sell that part. <laughs> it's difficult. My queen size Rick and Morty. Uh, someday. You know, it's always interesting me speaking of sleeping. That as far as uh, Neville here knows. Uh, Jenny hasn't been revived yet. She hasn't woken up yet. Yeah. Uh, we, we know she has. Now she's feigning unconsciousness, which is probably a smart move at this point. Now he's bringing in some Corvassier or something. Yeah, bringing in some brandy, which I can't imagine anything I would I would want less <laughs> after waking up from, from being chloroformed uh, yeah. than some brandy. That, uh, well, yeah, I mean, just, you, you, what does your tongue taste like after the brandy and after? Be, yeah. yeah, after the chloroform. <sighs> You know, licking the inside just, of a bottle of rubbing alcohol. And, yeah, yeah. Just give me a glass of gasoline and we'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. So, um, 
and nothing against Brandy. I mean, no, you know, no, no, no. Brandy nice, at but... the right time and place is wonderful. But when you're first trying to come to and clear your head, that's. Uh, but but oh. eh, maybe Neville doesn't want her to have a clear head. Yeah, the girl I could know. be. That was interesting. I was. I, I found myself curious. I was reading just a little bit about Brandy, and uh, uh, and first of all, we have learned that based on your research into the world of mattresses, Brandy came around roughly around that same time, that 15th century. Hmm. That, uh, that it really started to be uh, started to be popular. At least once when the production was significant. And something I didn't know before was that one of the original ideas behind it was to, uh, it was a tax dodge. So you start with wine, it has a certain volume. When you distill it and make brandy, the volume is lessened, but the alcohol content stays the same, but you're taxed by volume. So you can get get the same amount of alcohol, lesser volume, and ergo lesser taxes. More kick per... per, Leader, I guess, would be the. It's it's a French thing, so I would assume it's metric. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And one of the things that also sort of jumped out at me was that when they would test uh, the quality of the brandy, uh, they would uh, they'd put a little gunpowder in the bottom of a glass, which sounds like a terrific idea. Yeah. And uh, then they would light the brandy with a match, burn off all the brandy, and then if they could still use the gunpowder, then it was considered good. Wow. So it was, I I, I presume that would mean that the alcohol content was pure enough that there was whatever water or anything else that would sort of uh, squelch the uh, burning properties of the uh, gunpowder. I would think that burning burning brandy would ignite the gunpowder if it was that good. That's what I think too. If it was like really, really good brandy, the gunpowder would go off. I will Please. try this tonight, and then yes. you, you watch the news report, tomorrow. Report back, and we'll just watch yes. for the breaking news out of and, Wisconsin. Yes, and I would like to—I'd like to go on record as saying that that's uh, this is how I've always wanted to go. That this, <laughs> if you know, the worst happens if I die in a tragic, exploding Br- brandy, brandy mishap. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, it's what I always expected would happen. Apparently, this is maybe Neville has had previous experience with his uh, his little his little jugs of chloroform that he's carried around with him. Brandy's saying, the the perfect way out. Yeah, it's it's a, maybe it's a bit of hair of the dog, I guess is uh, yeah, is what yeah. works. Given the as you've pointed out, given the the sheer number of uh, of, of sort of women's clothing and lingerie and everything else he just happens to have on hand, <laughs> yeah, clearly. This is uh, probably like Costco uh, brandy. I mean, he probably just has the stuff planned by the exactly. by, just all then, occasions. It, somewhere in the front of the uh, Ennis house, there's a revolving, you know, beautifully done revolving stained glass door where they, sort of the unfortunate young women go in and come out and go in and come out. I, he did not have that brandy when he was resetting the uh, the book. So I'm assuming that there's some little alcove that he has. This is this is my reviving brandy. Yes, I'm, I would expect that there's uh, there's little alcoves and stashes yeah, everywhere in this house. Here only six years or five years after... Uh, prohibition so he's he's this is it's had actually minimum of four years for brandy so it's had time to this is actually post prohibition brandy so it's probably the good stuff finally although i would not be surprised uh, for somebody in neville sinclair's position i bet you could probably get a drink in his house oh anytime, at any time yeah yeah, you know, yeah. prohibition and or they not weren't, they weren't turning off the uh, brandy making operations in france so this is certainly not any any time in there we will just leave uh, neville uh, here with Jenny, and here, here he, for, he forgot his funnel, so he just, he's going to have to use a glass instead. <laughs> he's going to have to wake her up. Yes. So uh, anyway, a nice, a nice silent moment for, yes. for a minute. But, uh, but we will continue tomorrow. We may be having uh, so, uh, familiar someone tomorrow. We will find, find out. Uh, things, are, things are still in process, so uh, tune, in, tune in tomorrow. We'll have a better clue on, on who's coming in tomorrow. Or it might just be you and me, Hal. We'll, we'll see as, as we finish up the week. 
if you'd like to continue and tell us what your particular uh, bed sheets are, are like or, or how many pillows you have to stack up to just to get the bed. Actually, I'd also be interested in what time you make the bed. We have massive discussions in my house as to oh, how really? how long between making the bed. And I will, I will just lay this out here. Just I know we're going a little long, but my belief in making a bed is you, at the moment you get out of bed, as early as possible, make the bed. That's to me. That's that's my way of doing it because it's kind of a safety thing that if my bed is made, I won't climb back into it. So ah, that's a good point. And you know, it's funny for me. I believe in that same philosophy. Not for that reason. For me, it's just making the bed is means I. Just, I it's symbolic of sort of coming home to a house where things are sort of taken care of and it's done. Yeah. So philosophically, in my mind, I would make the bed as soon as I get out of it. Realistically, I tend to make the bed about five minutes before we climb into it. <laughs> and so for that reason, I mean, pretty much every day of my life is a failure for that for that reason. <laughs> but gotta... uh, but morally, I'm I'm with you, sir. I I, I understand. I understand. My my wife believes that the bed needs to be unmade for a while, like at least between between getting out of bed and making a cup of coffee, and then going back into the bedroom to make the bed because it needs some kind of like airing out. Interesting. Because apparently there there's some hermetic property of cotton that I, I was unaware of until I, I got married and, oh. and I found out all these things. So Try sprinkling some gunpowder in That's, the bed. <laughs> and then that, that'll be a test you know, of the, for, uh, the quality of your sheets. If you have brandy first thing in the morning, it doesn't <laughs> matter to you anymore. So that's, exactly. that's the way to go. So, and but, I wash my sheets in chloroform. So okay. it's just, that's what keeps me, uh, that's what ins- helps me sleep at night. Insomnia free. Yes, yes. absolutely. Wow. Well, let's, let's hear about your, uh, your mattress and, and bed spring stories, please, uh, on our social media. You know where to find us. It's uh, all the usual places. Twitter, you can find us at Rocketeer Minute. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Rocketeer Minute. We're there at the uh, Rocketeer's Bulldog Cafe. A nice little clubhouse for you to chat with us. Find us at the big site, rocketeerminute.com. Find all the previous episodes there. You can go to Amazon and, uh, and share in the filthy lucre that we get whenever somebody buys something. I, 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 <laughs> I keep waiting, but the check never comes. But um, you can pick up all things Rocketeer that Amazon is happy to sell you. We will return tomorrow with either somebody or nobody, but we will have no doubt an interesting uh, <laughs> extra minute here. There will be at least two somebodies. Yes, at least. I mean, come on, Jim. <laughs> but... Added together, we're kind of a big deal. That's true. I think so. We're 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 both half famous. So there, yes, there you go. Exactly. But jo- join us here tomorrow, and we'll finish out the week on the Rocketeer Minute. So until next time, over and out. Ooh.